right, turn with me this evening to Ezekiel chapter 12. Ezekiel chapter 12. And you might be saying to yourself, why would I pick Ezekiel chapter 12? Well, one of the reasons, we're currently going through Ezekiel. And I talked to Pastor Manny uh, earlier, and I said, uh, when he asked me to teach here, we've been trying to get together, but we, we also had a Thursday night for a very long time, and we just recently switched to Wednesdays. And so I said, what are you teaching? And he said, well, on cha- in Acts, I'm teaching, uh, or on Sunday, I'm teaching the book of Acts. I said, oh, I said, what chapter are you in? He goes, chapter 9. Uh, we just finished chapter 9. Uh, so I said, well, we're not going to be talking about Acts. Um, and uh, so I know you guys are doing uh, Psalms as well. Uh, but in Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel is one of those books that not a lot of people have uh, actually gone through. So I'm going to ask you guys, how many have gone through and studied the book of Ezekiel? Okay, there's a few out here. Ezekiel is an incredible, incredible book. Um, some would say that Ezekiel is really uh, the prophet of the Holy Spirit, just as uh, Isaiah would be maybe the prophet of of the Lord of the Son and uh, Jeremiah being that of of our Heavenly Father. And we have gone through you know all of these books, and we're currently... Uh, in Ezekiel, a little uh, further ahead, but the Lord just really laid on my heart, really uh, the beginning of this book, and we're going to go through. We'll we'll probably get through this uh, chapter. We'll see, uh, but I really just had this on my heart, and so this is why we're here in this book tonight. So here, did bring you a little bit about Ezekiel. Ezekiel uh, is a priest, but never had the chance to uh, really participate in the priesthood because he was taken into captivity. He was taken into captivity in the second uh, siege of of King Nebuchadnezzar when he came in to Judah. And so in the first siege that took place, you had guys like uh, Daniel and his friends, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and they were taken there at that time. And Daniel's there is, uh, you know, going through uh, all the things that he's going through. And the second time that Nebuchadnezzar came into Jerusalem is the time that Ezekiel uh, was taken into captivity. So Ezekiel is prophesying from captivity in Babylon. And to kind of give you a little background on the story and what's happening is is he is ministering to the people there that are in captivity, but yet they don't believe they're going to remain in captivity. They keep listening to the false prophets that are telling him, don't worry, this is just for a little time. We still have the king on the throne over there and we will be heading back soon. And so they were basically a lot of false prophets that were prophesying at the time, just as in the time of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is still in Judah prophesying. Ezekiel is in Babylon prophesying at the same time. So they kind of, the prophecies are going uh, together. But here in chapter 12, a few chapters ago, the uh, the temple that was still there in Jerusalem, Jerusalem is, is still in existence. Um, the Shekinah glory, the glory of God has left the temple. Probably one of the saddest sections in the book of Ezekiel where you just see the glory and the glory of God doesn't want to leave. It just kind of hovers over and then it goes outside the city wall and hovers and then eventually it goes over to the Mount of Olives right where Christ is going to come back and stand when he comes back at his second coming and it just kind of hovers before the glory of God leaves the temple mount and the temple area. How sad. They were given so much. A people, there was no other people that were given more than the children of Israel. 
than these people. As a matter of fact, down later on in the book of Ezekiel, um, it'll say that uh, Samaria and Sodom were better than you. And that's pretty harsh when we think about Sodom and we think about Samaria, you know, but yet they were even more, in a sense, treacherous than, than uh, Jerusalem. But here beginning in verse 1 and uh, right here where he says, Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, this is one thing that you're going to hear Ezekiel uh, time and time again, that it's the word of the Lord came to me. So truly, this is the word of the Lord that came to Ezekiel. Matter of fact, in this particular chapter, you're going to see this five times. He's going to say this five times. He says in verse 1, verse 8, verse 17, verse 21, and verse 26, that the word of the Lord came to me. And, you know, for us who desire to hear the word of the Lord, let's not just hear it, but let's do it. And that's what he says right here in verse 2. He says, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see, but does not see, and ears to hear, but does not hear. For they are a rebellious house. Rebellion is a problem. Rebellion comes, you know, when you are, you hear something, but you don't do it. You hear the truth, but you don't apply the truth. Ezekiel was given the task of prophesying to a very rebellious house, a stubborn people, so stubborn that in chapter three, that God speaking to him says, you know what, the people you're going to go through, go to and minister to, they're stubborn. They're, they're, they're impudent. They're, they're rebellious. They're stubborn and they're hard headed. They're matter of fact, he said their, their head is as hard as Flint. You know, Flint's a pretty hard stone. That's the one that you smack together to spark, and that's what you need when you need to make a fire in the wilderness or something. Pretty hard. He says, but you know what, Ezekiel, I'm going to make your head even harder. I'm going to make your hard, your head as hard as a diamond. I'm going to make it even harder than theirs. And he had such the task and such the ministry to uh, continue to try to give this message of hope, this message of repentance uh, to the people there who are in captivity. They're already in captivity, but, you know, they they must be delusional. They must be, this isn't really happening. We're going to be set free. But the word of God is, and through Jeremiah, they're going to be there for 70 years. You might as well get get yourself comfortable. You might as well make a home. You're going to be here for a while. Matter of fact, that's what Jeremiah had said. Jeremiah had told him, you know what? Do these things because you're going to be there for a while. But yet all the false prophets were saying, no, we got to fight back. We got to rebel. We got to get out. And that was the problem in the first place. They listened to the wrong voices. There's a lot of voices today, you know, and, and praise God that you guys are here in a church that teaches the word of God. But as much as you hear the word of God, you still have to apply the word of God or this right here, what he's speaking about will take place. He says, which, you know, this rebellious house and who is he speaking to? He's not speaking to non-believers. He's speaking to the house of God. And so we have to take that to heart that he's speaking to, to those who are to be God's people. And he says here, 
which has eyes to see but does not see and ears to hear but does not hear for they are a rebellious house. They're blind, they're deaf and really that points to that they're disobedient. You know, if you continually hear the word of God but you don't abide, if you don't walk in the truth of the word of God, pretty soon you don't hear the word of God anymore. You hear but you don't receive. You see, but you're blind. And that can happen even in our lives as Christians because God's going to allow these things to happen in your life. If you don't want to hear, pretty soon you'll be blind to it. If you don't want to see the truth, pretty soon you won't be able to see the truth. And you'll see it right here. i got a few scriptures to share with you because it's, it's throughout the word of God. It's in Deuteronomy 29, which I'm going to, we're going to read. It's in Isaiah chapter 6. It's in Jeremiah chapter 5. It's in Matthew chapter 13. And it's in Acts chapter 28. When you find things that are repeated over and over and over in the scripture, it's important to God which means it should be important to us, which means it must be something that we all need to hear, you know, in our lives. And so here in Deuteronomy, I'm going to read this, and this is Moses. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 29, uh, verses 1 through 4. Listen to what he says. He says, These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant which he made with them in Oreb. Verse 2. Now Moses called all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt. Speaking of when they were brought out of Egypt, you saw all the things that the Lord did. He says to Pharaoh and to all the servants and to all his land, the great trials which your eyes have seen, the signs and those great wonders, yet the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day. They saw these things, they witnessed these things, but the Lord gave them a heart that they couldn't see or couldn't receive. It was because they didn't want to receive. It's the same thing, you know, when you read the scripture and it speaks about Pharaoh. And sometimes when you read it for the first time and you, and you hear those words, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. You know, the first time you read that, didn't you say like, that's not fair. Poor Pharaoh. Poor guy, didn't have a chance. God hardened his heart. But that's not what he's saying there. He's saying through what was brought and what was sent to him as a challenge to him really just revealed that his heart was hard. And all the things that God did just kept revealing how hard his heart was. Just like when God keeps giving us the truth and we don't do anything about it, he's going to let us be hard to it. He's going to let us be blind to it. He's going to let us be deaf to it. You remember those days when you would read the word of God and you just couldn't put the word of God down? It was just, man, Lord's just giving and filling and just getting, Lord, I can't put it down. And then you go through those times where it seems like not getting anything. Lord, how come you're not speaking to me? What's going on? Maybe what's going on is we're not doing the things he's already told us to do. Or maybe the things he's already told us to put away in our life and we haven't. Listen to this scripture here in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. Isaiah says the same thing. He says, and he said, this is in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. He says, and he said, go and tell the people. 
Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their eyes heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and they hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Don't you think that's kind of counterproductive? You know, when you read that, don't you think it's like, why is he telling them the opposite? It's because it's revealing what they are. It's revealing what they're doing or what they're not doing. See, we need to be doers. But in doing of what we hear, when the Lord brings that conviction in our heart, when that God brings that correction in our heart, or when he brings us that encouragement in our heart, whatever it is that he's instructing us to do or correcting us to do, we need to do it. Because if we don't do it, we're going to become hardened to it. We can become seared to it. You can come every Wednesday night. You can come every Thursday night. You can come to every potluck. You don't want to miss a potluck, right? You know, you can come to all these things, but still not grow because you have to apply those things. We have to go back to do those first things that God's already put in our heart and our life to do. Jeremiah says it in Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 21. He says, hear this now, O foolish people, Without understanding, who have eyes and see not, and who have ears and hear not? It's a continual message that is going through from Moses to Isaiah to Jeremiah. Jesus says the very thing himself. It says in Matthew chapter 13, verses 13 to 15. He says, therefore, I speak to them in parables. And this is one of the things that Ezekiel does. Ezekiel, uh, not just, he doesn't necessarily speak in parables, but he acts out the parable. Any of you guys in the drama ministry? You guys have a drama ministry where they do drama and they do, you know, sometimes those dramas are pretty cool, right? You sit there and you're like, wow. You know, you could have someone up here and and share something and everybody's just kind of, but all of a sudden you have people act it out, man. You see tears in people's eyes because they can relate to it. So this is kind of what God has Ezekiel do. Ezekiel acts it out. And we're going to see him act something out when I get through these verses. But Jesus is speaking to them. and He says, therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see. And hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says... Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For their, for the hearts of the people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I could heal them. See, you're not going to get to heaven by accident. You're not just going to stumble in and say, wow, how did I get here? I'm so glad I'm here. But if you notice that your Christian life is you make those decisions for the things of God and there's a cost to it. Sometimes it costs you your family. Sometimes it costs you your friends. Sometimes it costs your relationships. See, but the Lord says he has to be number one. He has to be the most important in your life. And that's what he wants. He wants us to seek the kingdom of God. He wants us to put the Lord first. Don't worry about all these other things. He'll take care of those things. Put God first. Do the things that God has been putting on your heart to do. Or or you're feeling that conviction. You haven't put that thing away yet. You haven't given it up. Because it can create blindness. 
It can create deafness. And it's over and over in the scripture. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 28, verse 25 through 28, Paul said, The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our father saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of this people have grown dull their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes have and all their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will inherit. The church needs to wake up. The church needs to return to the first love and the first works of our Lord and Savior when we got saved. These are the things. See, we live in a time, we live in perilous times where people aren't going to stand and people aren't going to sit and people aren't going to have ears to hear the truth of the word of God. People don't want to hear the truth. And sadly enough, it's even in the churches, they don't want to hear the truth. You know, but it's the truth is the only thing that's going to set us free. It's the truth that's the only thing that's going to change our hearts as we allow that work to take place in our lives. See, we got to give the Lord that permission because if we don't, give it willingly and permission pretty soon he will not allow us to see it he will not allow us to hear it this is what he's saying through these scriptures and this is what's taking place in israel's uh in judah's condition right now these guys are the last of the last they're already in captivity they've already gone almost as far as they can go but they're still in disbelief they still think there's hope for them they still think they're going to go back to jerusalem but the prophecy that Ezekiel is prophesying is the destruction because the judgment of God is inevitable. Just as the judgment of God is inevitable today, it's still coming. We're working our way down to the greatest judgment of all, which is the tribulation period. Church, we live in exciting times. There's a lot of things that are happening. This is the time to just get rid of whatever is holding you down. Whatever is whatever you know that's holding you down, you know it. You know you just Lord, I just want to do everything for you. Then do it. Let those things go. Get rid of it. You know, and just run the race. The race is getting closer to the end of this age than ever before. You know, I, I say that you know every week. Well, today we're closer to the day of coming back. If we get another Sunday, we get another day, we get another, it's closer today. It's closer today. I've been saying that since I got saved in 1975. You know, it's, it's still, it's coming. It's coming. And I'm not tired of saying it's coming. It's the hope that I have. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking for him, expecting him to come at any time. Because if you're living with expectancy, it's going to change the way you live. It's going to change your life. If you don't think God is going to come, the Lord's going to come back for another five years, what would you be doing? I'm surprised if you think that you're even here tonight, right? Because you probably would be something else. We would say, you know what? Hmm, God's coming back in five years. Okay, I'll come back to church 10 days before he comes back. That's pretty good. You know, whatever it might be. It might be last minute, right? You know, all that kind of stuff that we do. 
It's like when our parents used to leave, you know, it's like, what time are you coming back? Of course, they never wanted to tell us when we were coming back. But you know what? God did a good thing. God gave us a Volkswagen van that made a lot of noise. We could hear it coming like three blocks away. So seven brothers and sisters, man, we clean up the house in seconds flat. We'd all act like we weren't doing anything all day. But of course we were. <laughs> but I'm surprised my dad never pulled over and kind of snuck in. You know, that's, we all would have been in trouble. But the point is rebellion. See, rebellion is not a good thing, you know, uh, and, I'll, and I'll tell you. Why don't you turn with me to First uh, Samuel chapter 15? Because this is what happened to Saul. Saul the king, he did not listen. He heard what God said, and he even thought he did what God said. Yeah, but I destroyed all these guys. I did. Yeah, but I took all the goods and I did this. I didn't. You didn't do what God said. Sometimes we think we're doing what God is telling us to do, and we're just lying to ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. Matter of fact, we're deceiving ourselves. And the Bible says, "Be not deceived." That's what happens when we lie. Pretty soon, we believe our own lies, and now we're worse than being a liar. Now we're a deceiver, and we're the ones being deceived. And that's not a good place to be. But in 1 Samuel, I won't read. That's a, good, that's a good chapter, you know. I always give homework assignments, right? So here's your homework assignment. 1 Samuel chapter 15. You can read it when you get home. But here in verse 22, this is, this is uh, Samuel speaking to Saul. The whole chapter is about Saul, really the end of Saul's uh, kingdom because the Lord is tearing his kingdom away from you. You're no longer going to be king. You have not listened. I have given you. I've talked to you. I've spoken to you. I have the, this prophet that is speaking right to you face to face and you're hearing, but you're not listening. See, that's the problem. We hear, but we don't listen. And here it is. He says, so Samuel said, has the Lord, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? As in obeying the voice of the Lord, you know, which is better, obeying the voice of the Lord or these sacrifices? He said, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed uh, than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Have you ever thought that rebellion was that bad? There was a lot of divination. There was a lot of... uh, witchcraft and things happening at this time that were deceiving the people to think they were in a better condition and a better place and and things were going to get better. We're going to go back to Jerusalem again. To do what? To do the same thing that got you into the captivity in the first place? They were deceiving themselves. And that's what rebellion does. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. That's serious. You know, I know people love, what are you teaching tonight? The gospel of John. Everybody's all, yeah, it's the gospel of John. (sighs) What are you teaching tonight? Ezekiel? (laughs) Jeremiah? You know, one of the minor prophets, you're all, oh, this is going to be rough. (laughs) But it's the same God. It's the same God. God is merciful. God is gracious. But it isn't because God loves you. It isn't because uh, of God's mercy. See, it's not the mercy of God that saves you. It's not the love of God that saves you. 
It's the grace of God that saves you. See, God loves you, but he doesn't save you by his love. God loves you, but even his mercy can't save you. But it's his grace that saves you. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's because of the love that he offered and gave up his son to pay the penalty because God is also a just God. He can't just look the other way. People think that, well, God's a God of love. He's just going to let me in. No, he made a way. And that's through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the penalty of sin. And that's the only way we can come in through salvation. There's no other way. There's no other name given under heaven except his name. See, that's the truth. People look at the church and say, well, man, those people in the church, man, they're unhappy and, and, and they're worse than I am. If they can make it, I can make it. The difference is you belong to the family of God. God's going to deal with you. But if you're not from the family of God, you don't have a chance. See, we have to come in his way. But if you want to grow, as the scripture says, doesn't Peter say grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Well, we need to grow in that grace. And the grace speaks about this. He says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, there's a responsibility to the grace that you and I have. And that's not to live in ungodliness, but we are to live in godliness. Not to live in unrighteousness, but to live in righteousness. So how do we do that? We do that by learning the scripture and by applying the scripture in our life so that we can continue to hear, so we can continue to grow, so we don't become deaf to the things that God wants us to do. He's not going to have us go to the end because God... treats us all the same it's we walk by faith it's we step out by faith and god deals with us by faith one step at a time he doesn't let us get a hundred steps of a hundred steps ahead it's one step at a time one step at a time so we have to do those things whatever it is that god is sharing with you with god is convicting you if god wants you to correct or remove out of your life get it out of your life so you can continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of him and not be you know stuck or not having the kingdom ripped away you know and those kind of things that are warnings to us all throughout the scripture look what happens look what ezekiel does uh next whoa looking at the time (laughs) Ezekiel, who is speaking to uh, the, the children, that the, the, the people of, of, that are taken into captivity, he does some of these weird things. And if you've ever ridden uh, or read through Ezekiel, I mean, he does things like uh, he was called and asked to go out and lie on his side for 390 days. Uh, that's a long time. I don't think he just stayed there consistently. He got up and came back out in the day and laid down. And, and he was told to make a, a, you know, these little bread cakes. Ever hear of Ezekiel bread? That was the recipe given in Ezekiel, that he was to make these little cakes. Uh, but one thing the Lord told him, I want you to use human waste to cook them on. But 
then Ezekiel just kind of freaked out and said, oh, Lord, you're going to have me do that. And he said, all right, you can use just cow waste, cow dung instead. That'd be much better. But the whole point is he acted out these parables or these prophecies because the people wouldn't listen or hear anymore. So he acted them out. And basically what he was saying, this is the judgment that's coming. This is the judgment that's coming because of your rebelliousness against me. And it wasn't just for that group, but it was for the group all the way from the beginning. They were rebellious from the get-go. That's what Moses was talking about. That's what Isaiah was talking about. That's what Jeremiah was talking about. God is patient and long-suffering. And he waited, you know, over and over and over. You know, in that uh, Ezekiel, he, he acts this thing out here. And in verse 3, he says, Therefore, son of man, prepare your belongings for captivity and go into captivity by day in their sight and you shall go from your place into captivity to another place in their sight. And it, be, and it may be that they will consider, though they are, they are a rebellious house, by day you shall bring out your belongings in their sight and as though going into captivity. And at evening you shall go in their sight like those who go into captivity. He tells them, dig through the wall in their sight and carry your belongings out through it in their sight. And you shall bear them on your shoulders and carry them out in, uh, at twilight. And you shall cover your face so that you cannot see the ground. For I have made you a sign to the house of Israel. So I did as I was commanded. I brought out my belongings by day and though and going into captivity. And in the evening, I dug through the wall with my hand and I brought them out at twilight and I bore them on my shoulder in their sight. Ezekiel doesn't know why he's doing what he's doing. And basically what he's doing, God tells him during the day, I want you to go out and I want you to gather all your stuff, your belongings, just in a small little knapsack. It's like, cause you're, you're going into captivity. You can't take everything. Put it on there. Let everybody see. What's this crazy guy doing now? They just saw him 390 days do this other thing. And, and that was on one side. Then they spent 40-something days on his other side, you know, and they was trying to, he was, he was given a message in all these things that he was acting out before the people. So here he is again. They're probably like, is Ezekiel doing anything? You know, trying to keep an eye on him, right? Because they had nothing, that, well, I don't know what else they were doing, but that was probably pretty exciting. And so here he is. He's packing his bags and stuff like this. And then, then he goes back inside. Then at night, he's to go through the wall. Now, he's supposed to dig through the wall. And I'm sure there was a gate right over there. He could have just went through the gate, but the Lord told him to dig through the wall. But this was for a message. This was for he was acting out what was going to take place in the near future. What was he acting out? He didn't even know what it was yet. And that's what I love about uh, Ezekiel. And I love that when God just asks you to do something, don't question. Don't ask him, well, what? You know, ask him every single thing you need to know because it's step by step. He doesn't tell anybody everything. He didn't tell his prophets either. They just were obedient to it. So he digs through the wall and it says in verse 8, And in the morning the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, has not the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said to you, What are you doing? I'm sure a lot of people ask them, hey, what are you doing? That's weird. You're packing this bag and at night you dug a hole through the wall. Are you going to fix it? You know, I don't know what he said to him, but he's doing this and like, what's going on? Verse 10, say to them, thus says the Lord God, this burden concerns the prince in Jerusalem. 
and all the house of Israel who are among them. Now this prince in Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is still, still operational, the people are still there. There's only part of the people taken to captivity. So who's in Jerusalem? Uh, the prince is King Zedekiah. Ezekiel never calls him a king. He always calls him the prince. And so this prince is referring to Zedekiah. Okay, so he's the last king. As a matter of fact, it was Nebuchadnezzar who put him on the throne. And he was supposed to be working in conjunction with Nebuchadnezzar. Because Nebuchadnezzar already came in and took the people two times already, but left the city. So he's supposed to be answering to Nebuchadnezzar. But he's believing the false lies, and he's going to create this rebellion. He says to him, Verse 11, say, I am a sign to you, as I have done, so shall it be done to them. They shall be carried away into captivity. All their hope was in that King Zedekiah is still on the throne, and he's going to come get us. He's going to rescue us. He's going to go get Egypt's help or somebody's help to get us out of here. But God has been telling him through his true prophets, no, you're not going anywhere. You are going to be in captivity for 70 years. There's no hope going back. You just need to settle in. And you need to settle in. Just like Daniel. Didn't Daniel settle in? Daniel was an incredible man. He settled in. And this is awesome because Daniel is there. And he's influencing the king. He's influencing Nebuchadnezzar. He influences Cyrus. Other people could be influential also. But there wasn't, they were just still living this lie that they're thinking they're going to be released and all these other things. So he tells them, Hey, this is a sign to you that, you know, just the way that I've done this, you're going to be carried away. You're only going to have time to take a knapsack and, and, and go. And he's referring back to the people in Jerusalem. Verse 12. And the who is among them shall bear his belongings on his shoulder at twilight, prince, and go out. And they shall dig through the wall and carry them out through it. And he shall cover his face so that he cannot see the ground with his eyes. What's he talking about? He's talking about what's going to happen with Zedekiah. He's telling them exactly what is going to happen with Zedekiah. He says, I will also spread my net over him and he shall be caught in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon, to the land of the Chaldeans, yet he shall not see it, though he shall die there. So there's a problem with what the prophets are saying between what Jeremiah is saying and what uh, Ezekiel saying and people were thinking there was a conflict because one was saying he was going to Babylon and the other one saying he's not ever going to see Babylon. How's this all going to work out? Well, what ends up happening, I was going to read it to you, but I don't, I don't have time to read it tonight, but you can, here's another homework assignment. Second Kings chapter 25. You can just read that chapter too since, uh, and basically what it tells you is what happens is, is what, Ezekiel was acting out was actually going to happen because Zedekiah had a plan because what was happening at the time, what does happen is when the uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes back to Jerusalem to take that final siege, Zedekiah the king has a plan to escape. He has a plan to cut a hole through the wall and escape, but he's going to be caught and he is caught. And you can see that in Second Kings chapter 25, he's caught. And what happens to him is that he's going to be drugged off to Babylon. But before he's drugged off to Babylon, but Jeremiah says he's not going to see Babylon, what happens is, is that as he catches him, as they catch them in the net and they bring them before Nebuchadnezzar, he basically, he watches his sons be put to death. Uh, then 
his eyes are put out. And then he's carried to Babylon. He goes to Babylon, but he never sees Babylon because his eyes were put out. God's word is always true and correct. Why did this happen? It happened because of their rebelliousness. It happened because of their unwillingness to submit to the authority of God's word. We do a lot of uh, counseling and different things at the church. And the biggest problem is because people aren't. And I won't just say people, I'll say Christians. Christians are not willing to submit to the word of God. We want to justify ourselves and why I did this and why I'm doing this. When you should just give up right then and just say, you know what? I humble myself and submit to the word of God. See, that's what we have to do to take heed to the word of God. That's what we need to do to apply the word of God. Sometimes we just don't agree. Just sometimes we just don't want to. But we need to because that's the only way we grow. You know, it's through humility, you know, and it's through God just changing your heart. And that's what we need is a change of heart. God, help us to change our hearts. We can't change it. Only he can change it. You know, only thing you can do is change your mind. You know, that's the, that's, that's the control you have is don't do it anymore. We keep doing the same thing, thinking there's going to be a different result. And there's not. You got to stop doing that. Lord, help me to stop doing that. The Lord will begin to work and change your heart.